This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. City leaves Selhurst Park feeling glad all over as Guardiola's men are bailed out by a late Haaland penalty. Another frustrating performance or a deserved let-off? We'll discuss just that throughout the course of today's episode while asking what it means in the context of the Premier League title race. It's Monday the 13th of March. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Andrew Detmer. And I'm John Ashley. And this is the City Report podcast. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Chaps, welcome back. It feels like um, a recurring Monday club. It was us three on the show last Monday it's us three again speaking through Manchester City victories both times so perhaps every single week now we're just gonna have to keep this keep this uh, this group of people together and, and maybe we'll win the league um let's start with moment of the weekend as always Andrew you can take it away what what was what was the one moment this weekend that got your juices flowing for me it has to be my main man John Stones just bigging it up and loving Erling Holland bearing that penalty because that man has performed so many heroics over his four to five, you know, seasons with city when he's been in his best. And there've been a lot of matches where the defense have done what they did this time, which is deny the opposition really any chances at goal, but city just couldn't get the goal they needed to turn that, you know, hard fought draw into a hard fought win. And you could just see what it meant on Stones' face for Holland to bury that penalty. And for once, the uh, defensive performance of City uh, didn't go to waste. Yeah, the, the reaction of John for the benefit of the tape looked as if uh, perhaps maybe had a similar moment of the weekend, if not the same one. Well, not only that, but I literally flagged John Stones' reaction 
earlier today to Andrew, <laughs> and he's just blatantly gone and stolen it. So did I you? I don't even remember this. Uh, I don't remember yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the moment. So yeah, sorry. Yeah, okay. I've I will find it for the purposes of the tape later. But <laughs> I think for me, then my second moment of the weekend um, would probably be. I, I think I was a bit smug. If you, if you noticed that Edison was wearing white socks yesterday, like um, because he was wearing a changed goalkeeper kit because City were wearing that third kit again. Um, he was actually wearing Crystal Palace's away socks that the outfield players wear because his goalkeeper socks clashed or would, would have clashed with the shorts and socks of Palace. And so they had, he had to wear another team's socks, which I think is... It's satisfying to me because City should be wearing their home kit when, whenever possible. And the fact that the kit, the 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 Premier League rules or Puma were were kind of caught out by that, I was kind of maliciously pleased with. It was so Sunday League. I'm almost convinced that I've been in in dressing rooms where that's happened, and you've sort of seen the opposition kit, and you're like, "Oh shit, we're wearing the same colours." Has anyone got any bibs, or has anyone got any change? I cu- I couldn't. I cannot fathom in this modern day and age how in 2023 the kit team, the club, the Premier League officials did not know beforehand that the the rule, obviously, the rules are known that you can't have the same color uh, socks. Goalkeeper, outfield players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. How nobody flagged it? It was borderline. It, it does pathetic. feel. It, it does feel like the kind of thing that. It's not like these teams haven't a played each other. B there are not pictures and videos of what both <laughs> sides wear, to where that someone shouldn't have noticed this. Well, as well, it's. You know, he ended up wearing the, the the shorts that go with that goalkeeper kit. But I think in reality, he really should have changed the shorts as well. But I think that would have really given it away if he was wearing <laughs> the Crystal Palace away. <laughs> you know, with the, uh, he was able uh, to to cover up the logo with his with his sock tape, but that's a lot harder with shorts. Brandon the yeah. kit man's just there with like an exacto knife scraping off the Crystal Palace <laughs> logos. Yeah, yeah, someone printing off a, a Man City badge on the computer. Uh, well, regardless, anyway, none of your moments of the weekend beat mine, and, and for once, it's justified because my moment of the weekend was, of course, finally meeting one Adam Booker, who is over in the UK um, for a week, uh, a week and a little bit. He's he's here for the Leipzig game and the Burnley game coming up. But um, yeah, that, that was a pretty cool moment. Obviously, we started this show just over a year ago now of of obviously as a as a result of daily episodes posted over 100 100 different shows but um yeah spent the day with his him he uh, sorry him and his dad and and my girlfriend was there as well she was there with a mate so yeah lovely day and and that celebration i think um a few stadiums uh, the last couple of away grounds i've been to have, have had safe standing and if any club is going to get safe standing in their ground it has to be crystal palace because i shit you not there were people flying over four or five uh, sort of rows of seats and i've seen photos before i've seen people do it i'm like no way you were exaggerating you're exaggerating that you go flying on purpose i shit you not that it was like it was like a a, a heavy metal rock crowd considering <laughs> the sort of the, the amount of people who were flying over definition of limbs um right okay, let's let's i mean to be fair to you amos that's just like one of your strides is those four to five rows. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point, good point. Um, the match itself, then Manchester City one nil. I sort of woke up Sunday morning thinking, 
did that actually happen? Not in the sort of disbelief, oh my God, that was sensational. But I've seen that performance from City a billion and one times where they haven't found the goal. This time they found the goal. We'll get onto the penalty decision, whether or not it was, whether or not... Gundwan was, as Arsenal supporters were, were claiming on Saturday night, cheating cheating his way to keeping the title race going. However, John, um, good or bad performance? I feel like always at the moment we have to put it into one of these two boxes and obviously it isn't as arbitrary as that. But was it a good performance with a good result or was it a, another one of those games where City really should have scored three or four goals and in the end possibly got a little bit lucky? I don't think City got lucky. I think we created enough to win the game quite comfortably and we nullified Palace enough that they didn't create anything that was going to threaten us. And so when you simple as that really for me, you you, you know, we missed a couple of chances. Haaland missed a very good chance first half. Uh, Rodri had forced a really good save out of Guaita early on as well. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't think that City were lucky at all and I think the performance was controlled and measured and very pleased defensively uh, especially I think. Yeah yeah which is interesting considering how sort of the most of the post-World Cup discourse has been around City's inability to keep clean sheets and I think against Palace it was uh, a textbook example of defending with the ball and not allowing the opposition to get any sort of opportunities to, to weave themselves into the game. I, I should probably check the stats, but I don't know if Crystal Palace had a shot on target. They may have done, but it just felt like they, they didn't. didn't. So, oh, yeah, exactly. Um, they, they actually haven't. It's the first time in uh, Premier League history, but they have not had a shot on target for three matches in a row now. Oh dear me, that's a bit. They, bad, they, isn't they it? mentioned that for the first time at about eighty-seven minutes, which did not oh. do my heart rate any favors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. But but Andrew, that sort of we, we've known it all season. This is the sort of the the football Guardiola is trying to pursue. Um, similar question. I always feel like perhaps as a football perfectionist, when you win a game of football with a Softish penalty, maybe I'm I'm lifting the veil on my opinion a little bit. Obviously, we'll discuss it shortly. But when you win it, when when you win a game with a penalty, I almost feel like it is a let off because penalties are very high chance of scoring. Obviously, sometimes you have lots of chances you don't take them, and, and for me, you don't deserve to score. You don't deserve to win matches if you don't take your chances. I don't know if this is me overthinking it, but I thought the performance was good. But again, I'm still looking at City taking chances, and I'm thinking that could cost City down the line. Yeah, I mean, so City did create just over two expected goals. Um, they had three big chances. They missed two of them. Obviously, the one they didn't miss is a penalty, which, you know, is as you said, can sometimes be interpreted as a, a bit lucky. I wouldn't say that was the case with this performance or this match. I think City did well. I think a lot of people look at Palace in the table, and, you know, they are kind of towards the top of that, uh, 12th to 20th relegation battle we have right now. So people are like, oh, well, if they're in a relegation fight, maybe they're not that good. But if you look at their kind of last set of home performances, you've got a draw with Liverpool, a draw with Brighton, a draw with Newcastle, a draw with United. They are not a good team necessarily going forward. They have really struggled, and that's actually been a... Uh, recurring theme of Patrick Vera's teams is that he 
can turn forwards into really good attacking midfielders, but he really is not going to ever create strikers or wingers that I think are of the level necessary. But he produces teams that play really defensive, well-disciplined tactical football. And that can be really hard to break down, particularly at a ground like Selhurst Park, where they can have you know, a relatively well-backed side. Now, I think, and you could probably say born of the same since you were there, I wouldn't say their home support was outstanding yesterday. But regardless, I think it is the type of team and performance where if you get out of there with a 1-0 win and you control the match the way we did, which City had almost or had more than double the number of passes that um, Palace did. It was, you know, 68% to 32% possession. I mean, City controlled that game. And maybe you could say Holland should have put away that one chance where it kind of had an open net. I know John disagrees that it was an easy chance. But for me, I do think City, had they not won, would have been hard done by that result. I I, I certainly agree with that. And I think it, up until when was the penalty? 78 minutes, something like that. It was a carbon copy of the, the visit to Selhurst Park last season where City created a number of chances. I, I seem to remember Laporte hitting the post or something like that or uh, Gundogan missing another glaring opportunity. And it, it felt a little bit like City of last season in the way they were playing, obviously rotating the ball fantastically. Um, we'll get on to set up in a moment. Elephant in the room, John, penalty decision. Michael Olise goes... What's what's in between sort of strolling and steaming in, sort of like waddling into to Gundwan or something along them lines. It wasn't sort of full throttle, but it was a little bit uh, a clumsy tackle. Yeah. Soft? Stonewall? No. Where you falling? I mean I I don't understand where the complaints are coming from, really, because Gundwan gets the ball from a short corner, Palace have fallen asleep a little bit. Um, at least say credit to him, goes out and tries to close Gundogan down. But, you know, that they're already kind of caught short with that. Gundogan plays the ball off and Elise just continues. And, well, the first thing he does is he puts his foot, rakes his foot, not intentionally, but still, it's not about intention, uh, rakes his the studs of his foot on the top of Gundogan's boot, which if you've played any football in the last 10 years with a new football boot on, you'll know is like someone stepping on you with, and you're just wearing a pair of socks. It hurts. Um, and your reaction isn't necessarily to like just fall to the ground. Your reaction is you jump because that's what the human body is programmed to do. Um, and that's what Gundogan did. Maybe he exaggerated the jump a little, but then that's what you need to do to get penalties in this league as Phil Foden found out a couple of seasons ago when he tried to stay on his feet against Southampton, I think it mm. was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 total clarity. None of us had any idea what was going on in the stadium. In fact, at first sort of glance, I thought it was for handball. Um, and that wasn't to do with the, the Selhurst Park view. It was just a case of like, oh, he, he's, he's pointing to the spot. It was all a bit sort of haphazard in a way. But um, Andrew, I'm not even going to bother wasting my breath asking whether or not you agree because uh, and for what it's worth, I, I do think it absolutely is a penalty. However, on the softer, on the softer side, Andrew, you're a lawyer in your day job. I want you to argue against John and, and tell him why it wasn't a penalty and why City actually were cheated. Uh, sorry, City cheated the way to three points against Palace. What I would argue is that while yes, there was contact in the box and that you could apply the, the letter of the law, 
and argue that, oh, well, by the letter of the law, it's a foul in the box. It has to be a penalty. The spirit of the law is that penalties are to be given <laughs> when a foul that denies a chance at a goal happens. And in this Objection. case, it was not a, to me, uh, and this, I may or may not have stolen this uh, argument from uh, Mr. Ashley himself, but uh, it is one of those situations where sometimes you look at a penalty and you think, did you just give a massive increase in the odds of scoring a goal for something where there was not a huge odds of where a goal was going to be scored? I think it still, I mean, losing that argument at this point, I do think that it falls on the side of you have to give a penalty for this for me. Um, I don't think you can have somebody just take out Gundogan in the way that he was and not have it actually be a penalty. I think if you rework the goal entirely, maybe you can convince me that an indirect free kick from that spot is fair. Um, but to me, like in the world we exist in as of today, I have a hard time taking anyone seriously who looks at that and says that isn't a penalty. How much of that do you believe? The back half, I believe. Like that was me going out of yeah, my character. Yeah. The, the front, the front half, where I said, you know, denying. I, I, I think there's merit to it because I do think that it is hard to say, particularly as we, you know, for example, there's the rumors they want to change the rule about keepers going out and messing with the person taking the penalty after what Emmy Martinez did at the World Cup. If you're going to keep making penalties basically a guaranteed goal, unless you're most solid taking a penalty against Bournemouth, um, it's maybe not <laughs> the best way to punish that type of foul compared to, you know, a clear, you know, a handball that stops it from going on target or something like that. But you also can't have players cleaning out Gundogan the way that he was cleaned out in that moment like it if the foot doesn't hit his foot that way you're not like there's a good chance that becomes a, sc a scoring opportunity and so I, I just I think it has to be a foul and to your earlier point Amos I went and looked at that last Crystal Palace match you're talking about uh shockingly similar uh stats um we had 2.9 xg they had 0.6 uh, that one, we had 19 shots compared to our 14 this time. We had four big chances that match, and we missed all four. We had more passes. We had more possession. And so this really does to me show like what I said in that moment of the weekend is that Erling Holland being basically a guaranteed goal, you know, depending, you know, regardless of how that goal kind of happens, that has been such a difference for City this season where – we, maybe we play well, maybe we don't play super well, but if we are in a position to get a goal, having someone that you actually expect to put that goal away really changes City's ability to accrue points this season in matches like this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He is a man for the, the biggest of the moments, and and he showed his calm at the uh, at the so towards the end against Sel uh, against Selhurst Park. Jesus Christ, it sounds like a Ted Lasso team against Crystal Palace. Um, finally, then on this game, then John four centre halves on the pitch. Um, it's like Pep Guardiola's sort of in his experimental phase now. He's like a teen out of college who's thinking, "What can we do? What what haven't we done so far?" I have to say, when, when the team news dropped, four centre-halves made my eyes pop out of my face, thinking, dear me, what are we What are we getting into here? I have to say, as the game was going on, and City were just sort of, not aimlessly, but sort of repeating the rotations from side to side, I did feel like, okay, maybe now is the time for someone like Kevin De Bruyne to come on and just try something different. Um, 
overall, was it was it a good experiment? Was it a bad experiment? I, I'm not too sure I'd like to see it again in that circumstance. I understand what he was trying to do. Obviously, control the game and, and keep the ball in front of the Palace net as opposed to sort of running backwards. But it felt like City lacked a little bit of incision at times. Yeah, it definitely. We definitely sacrificed uh, incision, as you say. Um, we 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 tried to control the game through possession and and just wearing Palace down. And Palace did put a lot of a lot of men behind the ball and and were wanting to counter attack. Uh, and so we were definitely prepared for that. And there weren't a whole lot of their counter attacks that felt especially dangerous to City's goal, which was refreshing uh, and also unexpected, given that. Kyle Walker wasn't on the pitch and, and he's probably the, the, the number one guy that you want on the field in a counter-attacking situation. For obvious reasons, he was probably left out this weekend. Um, but also, I think it was it was good to, as Andrew said, to get John Stones back in the lineup, getting him minutes. Um, I was surprised that it wasn't just him alongside Diaz and then Rico Lewis in there um, or even, you know, Laporte in there as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting, interesting situation as well that you play four centre-halves and leave Laporte on the bench. Um, I'm not sure what Well, I mean, says. I think it, it, it shows, I think, that when the rumours have come out about players in the dressing room that have attitude problems it's not surprising that Laporte is one of them because he has been kind of this, he's not a full Zhao Cancelo, but he is also not someone who, if things don't go his way, he like buckles down harder and works his way back in the team. It seems like any time that he hasn't played for a while, you start to hear the reports of Laporte's unhappy. He wants to go to another club, you know, yada, yada, yada. For me though, I, I get what Pep was going for with that back four. I just wonder if you're going to have a back four, that is that defensively oriented. Perhaps you do not need to go four two three one. You maybe go four one three two. And you know, particularly if you know that Palace are going to sit back on the counter or and hope to get through you on the counter anyways, but they're doing it with forwards that are either older or not to the standard that maybe Palace teams of the past have had. And mm-hmm. so you say, Maybe it makes sense to go with, you know, take Gundogan out. And then you have, you know, Rodri, Grealish, Bernardo, Foden kind of in front of him. And then you have Alvarez Holland working to try to, you know, pull that probably six to seven man back line of Palace apart a little bit more. That would it, only it, be my real complaint there. But it, well, it's also a risk, though, as well, playing four oh, for or sure. five center, center halves as, you know, Nathan Ake picked up a knock at one point we you know I imagine he's probably touch and go based on the way these knocks go for for Leipzig um on Tuesday is that uh tomorrow so Mm -hmm. the yeah having having all four uh, four of your five center backs in the lineup does does create a potential risk in, in in that way um but at the same time having five top tier ish center backs is a very difficult thing to manage and, and Pep's probably thinking about that side of it as well with the exception of Laporte as we've alluded to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that'll do for part one. We'll be back in a moment for part two. 
Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content. If you're not already, make sure you subscribe, you hit follow. It means that these episodes, which are daily, of course, come into your podcast feed every single morning. Um, just wanted to quickly, John, pick up on, obviously you alluded to it, the Kyle Walker news last week was um, leaked, I'd say, videos of indecent exposure the club were sort of at the same time quick to make a a, a stance whilst also not doing a lot which is I guess okay because of the situation you know in 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 this country which is where we're, we're sort of based we have different media laws and we can say certain stuff we can say sort of not a lot in situations like this um quickly the, there was a lot of criticism for for the way the club handled it. Were you okay with it, or would you have possibly preferred to see a sort of a harder stance? I think the the club is is kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place uh, because the you know I think everyone agrees that what Kyle did was incredibly stupid and immature and not befitting of someone who is a role model to or, or has the position at least of a role model to a lot of young people and children in the community at the same time i do think that this that that what he did is not something that doesn't happen um all over manchester every single weekend with people who are intoxicated and so it's a case of it's literally the only reason why that footage was leaked is because Kyle Walker is Kyle Walker. He's famous. He's, you know, an England international, etc. cetera. Um, that will be the interesting thing for me is what does this mean for his England international career, which I think may be a more serious uh, given, given Southgate's history of kind of no nonsense um, would be an interesting thing to see. So I, uh, yeah, um, in terms of how City handled it, I yeah they they could have they could have gone you know they could have really laid down the law, but then that sets precedent precedent for for future things as well. So yeah, I don't know. Um, he was an idiot I, I also think I, I also think there's an issue here of you know I I thought Pep's comments that released I think maybe Friday in the, the evening talking about where he said, I'm not Kyle's father. I'm not his quote unquote boss necessarily. Like he, he's more of a friend. And I get that because yes, he is the manager. Yes. It's his job to kind of pick the team and control what happens on the pitch, but it, it's not his job to necessarily enforce some societal code or moral responsibility on these players necessarily. His job is to win football games, right? And as John alluded to, stuff like this is going to happen across not just Manchester, but any, you know, basically any city in the world. And plenty of people do stuff that is this problematic, but do not face consequences at their job for it. I'm not saying that is good or bad. I'm just saying it's a, a fact. And to me, I think Kyle as an individual clearly has some work that he probably needs to do. Uh, especially based on some of the reporting that has come out about it. But I don't necessarily think it is Manchester City's football club's job to do that work or enforce it upon him. I do think it was smart to not 
have him start this match. Although I also don't know that having him come on the in the 89th minute is something I would have necessarily done because I don't know that it was necessary. And I think if you can just drop him fully to the bench for a match, maybe that's better. But it, I get why people yeah. may push back on the club, but... You know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and obviously it, it's important at this juncture to say Kyle Walker is a grown man, and his actions are, are he's responsible for his actions, and and the and the football club is is that a football club? Obviously, had the had the the actions been more severe, and and again, I'll repeat the line: it is it was ridiculous what he did. Um, a, a very weird as well. I think is the word that I used a lot of the time. Very strange. Oops, even Siri agrees. Um, but but very very strange behaviour. But obviously, the football club have a have a, a a line they have to toe. They decided to to leave that one for private matters. It is what it is. He came on the pitch like like you say, Andrew. It felt like maybe a thinly veiled punishment to sort of say, "Oh well, you got you're not going to start." But actually, we need you in the 89th minute to see out this game. So shit, get on your get on your boots and come on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, we'll see if that one progresses. I felt it was important to mention it, obviously, because it was it was a big news story. We didn't want to just let it go by the wayside and, and ignore it. Um, Stupid Kyle, do better. I think is probably where we can pull the line there. Um, right, okay. Let, let's finish today's episode then, sort of looking finally at the Premier League table because it's Saturday night. City were two points behind Arsenal. They are now five points behind Arsenal. By the time they next play a football match, John, it could be eight points. Um, Arsenal are not going to go away, are they? I, I, I'm resigned to not winning the title. I don't know where you are at this point. <coughs> Uh, yeah, it will be a nice surprise if City, I think, win the title at this point just because of the way that Arsenal are playing. You know, they seem to oscillate between having a last-minute winner where they pull it out of the bag from nowhere and then having a really comfortable 3-0 victory like they did against Fulham yesterday. So uh, there isn't... They seem to be able to deal with most situations Um other than you know the, the city at home game where the city were pretty good and they didn't really weren't able to get re- really back into that game but th- there is a little run where maybe you think they may slip up but that's going to rely on city also performing you know basically perfectly from here until the end of the season and with 11 games to go you know city have still got to play uh, liverpool chelsea brighton uh, brentford away on the last game of the season is not an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, yeah, you know, West Ham, uh, the home game has got to be rescheduled and that, that that looks an easy one on paper, but they're in a relegation battle. Um, yeah, balancing the FA Cup and Champions League as well, hopefully. So, yeah, I think we have... Well, I don't think the City are going to go unbeaten um, until the end of the season, or at least they're not going to go perfect. And I think that, that will probably be the, the reason why Arsenal win it potentially more than... Arsenal being perfect themselves. Yeah, yeah. It feels like the sort of part of the season where everyone slows down a little bit. And obviously there's more games to go at this part of the season than, than usual campaigns because of the World Cup. But it's easy to look at opponents, Andrew. And, and I'll, I'll read out in a minute Arsenal's run that they have between sort of the, the end of April and, and, and just before the end of the season. But as we saw with Liverpool and Bournemouth, the, the name of the opponent doesn't always make a difference because there is... 
I mean, like, just look at the teams down at the bottom of the Premier League and OK, they've not maybe accrued that many points and there are some pretty terrible performances week in, week out. However, there's some fantastic football. You've got midfields like Mateus Nunes and uh, Pakatar at West Ham playing in relegation scraps, which is mental considering the trajectory those players were on uh, sort of 12, 18, 24 months ago. However, I alluded to it that this this run Arsenal have, Wednesday the 26th of April sort of kicks it off. It's the Etihad Stadium visit for them. Um, that following Saturday, they host Chelsea. They then go away to Newcastle, Saturday 6th of May, Saturday 13th of May, and it, it slows down a little bit. They've got Brighton at home. I think if City is still in this sort of five-point malaise in between Arsenal and, and, and City themselves at that point, that's going to be where the season's won or lost for Arsenal. Yeah, for me, it comes down to City have to be within five points going into the match against Arsenal on the 26th. If that is the case... And City win that match. I feel quite confident in their chances. When City were going toe-to-toe with Liverpool in 18-19, which I think we would all say that Liverpool team was better than this Arsenal team. And this that City team was better than this City team. But City won 18 of their final 19 Premier League games in order to win that title, right? I think the one area that, to me... A lot of people are saying, and absolutely, you know, the Bournemouth match, for them to come back, I think that is important. It does give them some momentum. And, you know, they they hold all the cards. If they can win out, they've got it. There's nothing City that can do. But if City win that match at home, and it's two points, that is a very young and inexperienced team with a manager who's never been in this position before as the main guy, with a lot of matches that aren't easy. I mean, to go from playing City to three days later, you pl- you've got Chelsea at home who seem to maybe starting to find a little bit more of form and know the players they need. You've got to go away to Newcastle who have been hard all season. We've said the four points that City got from that, that's honestly probably a really good result this season based on who and what Newcastle have been. They've got, they're hosting Brighton. Deserby's team has been probably better than Potter's team ever was. And then, you know, Forests are going to be in relegation battle. Wolves have been good for their money. You're right. Like, we absolutely can. We can come back, but it could also be Arsenal. So at this point, I you know, it's a coin flip kind of on the odds. And with a shade to Arsenal, I think that's probably how it is. Is like, at this point, Arsenal are probably good for the money, but you can't count out City at this point. And it really will come down to that April 26th match for me. Well, I mean, I'm not sure it will. Uh, you know, just looking at the fixtures... Yeah, again, um, you know, Arsenal have a game against Palace next weekend because then neither, neither of those teams are in the FA Cup any longer. Um, and then City play Liverpool at home uh, in the in the early kickoff on the, the Saturday back after the international break. And those traditionally have not been great for City in terms of being able to get get up momentum for those games uh and so coming straight back in against liverpool with that is yeah not great and then just straight after that arsenal have got leads at home so yeah um it could <laughs> it could be it could be that um you know arsenal could be like 
12-ish or, you know, 10, 12 points clear of City by noon on April Fool's Day. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, well, about five o'clock over here, but uh, but Liverpool at home in the early kickoff, the game after the international break is, I think, what I see in the corner of my room when I have sleep paralysis. Um, and that's probably before before we scare any more listeners where we should wrap up today's episode. Um, Andrew and John, thank you very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure. If you haven't listened already, please make sure to hit follow, hit subscribe. If you can, leave a rating and a review. We really appreciate it. And until next time, which will be tomorrow, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.